0: and prayer also, the importance of prayer in the life of a believer. With thanksgiving being one part of natural worship, and if you turn to Psalm 95, I'll read it. It's one of our proof texts. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. You get that? You see that? Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And in Psalm 100, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So in your own prayer life and and as we gather as an an assembly, we come with thanksgiving, affirmations, rejoicing in God. Verse 3 of Psalm 95, For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. You know, saints... So many struggle with a regular quiet time. They struggle so much with prayer. And say, uh, how do you how do you pray for twenty minutes? How do you pray for an hour? How do you pray for? If you just start with affirmation, think about the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father, who, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. If you use that as a model, you begin by praying and worshiping God and coming before him with thankfulness you begin just thank you father thank you for today thank you for breath thank you for life thank you for health thank you for this trial thank you for this blessing thank you for children thank you thank you for whatever just thank him thank him that he saved you that he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light you just come before God with a heart full of thankfulness full of gratefulness and that's how we enter his gates. We come into his courts with praise. It's part of natural worship. I have to confess, sometimes And, and you see, listen, this is not quiet prayer. This is not little prayer, little church mouse praying. This is shouts of acclamation. Sometimes my, my greatest times of prayer, they're either walking on a trail somewhere or... It's early morning when I'm driving somewhere and it's dark and I'm in the car by myself. Because if you could see in my car, you would think, that guy is nuts. (laughs) He's a madman. Because you just get overwhelmed praising God and thanking him. And then we're in his presence. We start with worship. Worship. And I would encourage you to let this be your pattern of natural worship. So start with affirmation. So maybe you struggle in in a regular prayer time. Okay, set a time, be faithful, show up every every day at the same time, same place. And just say, God, I'm going to meet you here every day. Will you meet me here at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 4 o'clock? And then begin by praising him. If we follow, it says, But that it may be accepted, it is to be made in the name of the Son of in the, in the name of the Son by the help of the Spirit according to His will. This is accepted prayer. It's in his name that we pray. Not that this is formulaic, okay? That we have this formula, if we just ask it in Jesus' name, those are the magic words, and because we prayed that way, it's, you no. Know, we're praying in his name, in his authority, and because he's our mediator, and because he's our high priest sitting at the right hand of his father, ever living to make intercession for us. Because he's well acquainted with our state. And we can come to him. But we come in his authority because he made a way. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because the veil was torn. Through his sacrifice a way has been made to the father. We pray in his name but if we're praying it's more than just his name it's in his authority. In one of the proof texts, John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is John 14. He's, he's, he's warning, he's telling the disciple, hey, I'm going away, to, I'm, I'm leaving you. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And where I'm going, you cannot come. You will come later. My Father's house are many dwelling places. Mansions is a bad word. Monet, it's a dwelling place. He was going to the cross, going to make a place for us in Christ. Isn't that something? To reconcile us to the Father. And in that context, he's saying, I'm send, he was going to send the comforter. The comforter would come, and whatever you pray in my name, and think of those disciples is the same power that Christ had. As they prayed to heal the sick, they were healed. Yeah, but Paul prayed three times and, you know, he God didn't take the thorn from his flesh or I prayed for this or I prayed for that and God didn't answer my prayer but he said, if I ask anything in Jesus' name. One of the other proof texts is we pray according to his will. And the heart of a disciple as we pray the Lord's prayer we're to pray that his kingdom would come his will would be done and we pray that whatever the outcome that God would be glorified in it and he hears our prayer and by the way Saint. sometimes he says no because remember he sees all things he always has your best interest in mind He always has my best interest in mind. And we pray with the help of the Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8.26, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I always remember Norm Wakefield. You know, he's saying, we're, "We're praying one thing because, you know, we're in a trial and we just want it to end. God, just you know, take take it away." And Norm, well, I say, "No, the Holy Spirit's praying. No, Father, don't listen to him. <laughs> don't because he what what he's in right now. This is exactly what he, he or this is exactly what she needs." Because I'm doing a work that is, is going to be far more beautiful. The thing that I'm doing in them is so much greater. And what they're going to look like when I'm finished, it's going to be beautiful. If you've ever looked at a tapestry, right? You, we, we saw this tapestry in, in I can't remember the, the town. It was near Normandy in France. We were there for World War II thing. And, and, and they had this, this room with this tapestry. And it goes all the way around the room. And it was all of the history of that town was in that tapestry. But if you flip that tapestry over, it's pretty ugly, and there's, there's no picture on it. And sometimes our life is like that, isn't it? You flip it over, and you see what God's been doing. It's like, it's beautiful. He's been weaving together, working his will in us. And we pray according to his will. We pray with understanding Ecclesiastes 5.1 Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is heaven, is in heaven and you on earth therefore let your words be few. There's a soberness, you know, as we come into the presence of the Lord. And I confess sometimes I, I ramble on before the Lord and and or you're praying and you get distracted, the, the enemy throws a thought at you, you know, your day, you think about this in your day, and pretty soon you you you, you just you're so distracted, and ten minutes later, where, where was I? Or were just but there's an intentionality. There's an in, there's a purposefulness. There's an understanding. There's a soberness in the presence of God. Roger Magnuson was a was a great attorney. He he was a he was a fervent follower of Christ, and he died uh, two years ago. He was one of the great. He was one of the best attorneys in the nation. In fact, he defended people like President Bush. And but he was a he was a homeschool dad. He was an inner city pastor, and he was a he was a ten talent guy, but he said sometimes you come before the judge and you're in the judge's chamber, and the judge says to the attorneys, "What do you want? You know, you're rambling on. What is it that you want?" And that so stuck with me. When we come into the presence, think about if you're preparing, Mike, you're preparing for you got a big presentation, right? You're prepared. When we come before God, you know, it's like, what are you here for? Be clear. To pray with understanding, with reverence, with humility. You see, Abraham, even as he's petitioning for Sodom, if there's 10 righteous men, 20 righteous men, 30 righteous men, he keeps saying, "Indeed now, but I who am dust, I'm but dust and I'm ashes, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. There's a, there's a, a humility, there's a reverence before God. And there's a fervency. And if we get energy, there's, it's just a strong, there's a passion. You know what? It really it, there's, it's a it's a desperation. Have you been before God praying a desperation, God, if God? If you don't move, I think sometimes we don't come like that. And and it really ties to the second part of that with faith. When you think about James. I think we get James, James' instruction there to those that are sick. We get that so messed up. We have very clear instruction on the sick to come. And the elders are to examine, to anoint with oil, they're to pray. But for the elders to examine is there any unconfessed sin? Not not that all. But hear me. It doesn't mean that all. When, whenever somebody is sick, that there's sin. But sometimes there is. Right. Sometimes we've taken communion unworthily, and, and some many are sick among you. Some have even died prematurely. And that's it. Brings great soberness to the church. But to come and pray and here's the context of then of in James James says confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed and the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much There's, there's so much that we could unpack in that but there's a fervency there's a a passion, and a complete dependency upon God. And it's being prayed in faith, believing. And James also said in 1.6, in let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And I've shared this story before, but Daniel and I, when Daniel was a little guy, he'd had a a side ache all day. He was doubled over when I got home from work. And Patty said, you better take him in. And so we were going to the urgent care. And he's in the back seat. He can't even sit up. And I knew it was appendicitis. And I just, I'm certain. (laughs) And I just, you know, Lord, heal Daniel. Please, Lord, just touch Daniel. Heal Daniel. And I I just remember getting to the stop sign. And I was like, boy, I really prayed that prayer in faith, didn't I? <laughs> I, I looked back to Daniel and I said, son, can I pray again? And I cried out to God to touch him and to heal him. And by the time I'm not, this is, He was was doubled over all day. By the time we got to the emergency room and the doctor examined him, he didn't even have any pain left. It was gone. And I think sometimes we just, we don't pray in faith. We just go through the motions. So pray in faith, believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let him ask in faith, not doubting. In Mark eleven twenty four, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And this is, you know, the, we go back to the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, if, if we're living in gr- gross sin, if we're living in sin and, and we're going to God in prayer, are you going to pray in faith? If, if I've just had a fight with my wife, no, that happens in our home occasionally, okay? I'm going to my office because I'm going to pray and the heavens are like brass. There's no There's no praying. There's no praying. Till I, till I make things right. With love and perseverance, we're to continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. It's to keep praying. You know, you keep knocking you know, the judge will finally get up because he just doesn't want to hear you knocking on the door anymore. You keep praying. Persevere in prayer. Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, Praying always with all other prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Don't quit. Don't quit. just keep praying that neighbor that relative you just keep asking God and then he ends it he says when with uh, when with others in a known tongue so in a public meeting Paul gave very clear instruction he says uh, in 1 Corinthians 14-13 for indeed Give thanks well, but the other is, uh, is not edified. 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in church, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. And we don't have a lot of background often on the confession. There's not a lot you can read. There's not like commentaries. There's Waldron's, and, but there's usually not a lot of comments. And I, I was asking uh, Mr. Law, I, I said, you know, I wonder if he's speaking here. Is this, the, the the reference in our confession is to this text and another one in 1 Corinthians. Or is he, again, because of the Catholic Church and the Reformation, because of, they're in, speaking in Latin, the unlearned people can't understand it. Don't know. But when we pray publicly, or the to pray so that it's, with understanding in paragraph 4 prayer is to be made for things lawful and for all sorts of men living or that shall live hereafter but not for the dead or for those of whom it may be known that they have sinned a sin unto death pray for things lawful there are things that, whether it's covetousness or, it, you know, if you're going to rob a bank, you can't be praying saying, I'm not done picking on you, but you can't say, Father, don't let me get caught. No. Okay, Father, please let them look the other way. Okay. But that we're to pray for all sorts of men living or that shall live hereafter. How many times do you, you know, some famous person died or, you know, or you hear it on the news of we're going to we need to pray for him or pray for her and, and their family. No, you don't. Once they've passed, you don't pray for them. Okay? There's no, there's no changing anything. After, after death comes the judgment. You can't pass back and forth between the two. You see that with David, with the infant child in second samuel 12:21 then his servants said to him what is this that you have done you fasted and wept for the child while he was alive but when the child died you arose and ate food and he said while the child was alive i fasted and wept for i said who can tell whether the lord will be gracious to me that the child may live but now he is dead why should i fast can i bring him back again I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And in John seventeen twenty, he says, speaking of those that shall live hereafter, "I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word." So we 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 here he's he's praying for the disciples in his in a high priestly prayer, but he's praying for his disciples but he's praying for those that they will disciple and then paul's exhortation to timothy of who to pray for he says in first timothy 2 1 and we, we should do that tonight as we pray therefore i exhort first of all that supplications prayers intercessions and the giving of thanks be made for all men for kings for all who are in authority that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And then lastly, nor for those to whom it may be known that they have sinned the sin unto death. I confess to you, I, you know, last year I I memorized as part of my... Memory program. I memorized the John's epistles: one, John, one John, two John, and three John. And I came to this verse, and in in one John five sixteen, he says, "If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life. For those who commit sin, not leading to death, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that." I could give you my opinion. I could speculate. I'm not going to do that. You can ask Mr. Law what he thinks about this verse. Is he talking about somebody that's blaspheming um, the Holy Spirit? That's easy. Is he talking about somebody that's died prematurely? As we see in 1 Corinthians 11. Is he talking about somebody that has been put under church discipline that their spirit might be saved, their body would be lost there you have it let's pray Father thank you for uh, these texts or put in us uh, just a desire to pray as we As we transition and we come uh, to pray tonight, O Lord, we ask that as we cry out to you, Lord, from the ends of the earth, that you would hear our cry. O Lord, that you would answer our prayer. Lord, that you would uh, be in our midst tonight as we pray. In Christ's name, amen.